Hello there and welcome everyone to the Teacher Parent Garden Club. Welcome to our club. If you're a first time listener, hello to you. Uh, this podcast is sponsored by School Gardening Success. If you're thinking about getting your class gardening in September, which I know a few of you have already got in contact to say we want to, let's make it happen, which is fantastic. Thank you very much. Uh, if you want to do the same, you get all of the equipment, all of the lesson plans, and most importantly, teacher support. That's right, teacher support for life, which means that we will be there to help you and guide you through your gardening journey with all of your classes in the future. If you want to find out more, then please click on schoolgardeningsuccess.co.uk. That's schoolgardeningsuccess.co.uk, where we can help you and your class get gardening. Now, on with this podcast. And welcome everyone to the podcast. Before we get in today's chat with Louise Messia, we have to talk about the theatre show. That's right, you may have heard me talk about the theatre show pretty much at the start of every podcast for the last couple of months, trying to sell tickets, and I did it. That's right, everyone. The 31st of July, I did my first ever theatre show. It was absolutely amazing. I'm absolutely buzzing off the back of it. In fact, I feel a little bit sad. Now it's all over. As soon as that final show finished, I was like, oh, well, that's, that's that then. Um, great. Uh, but, everybody, uh, I'm happy to say that we will be going on tour in 2023 with that. It was, and I loved it. I loved it so much. It was so good. It was so much fun. Thank you to all of the audience that came along to watch, all my friends, all my family. Uh, and also, uh, I must have a big shout out to Mr. Suggett, who came and films it for me and took some photos. Thank you much, Suggs, for doing that. I really do appreciate it. Um, but yeah, and thank you to you. Maybe you said, hey, I can't come, but I'll definitely promote it on my Twitter, on my Facebook, wherever it was, wherever you shared it. I appreciate the support so, so much. It honestly was a highlight of my career. So I just want to start today's podcast by saying thank you for that. Thank you to you, the listener, for putting up with those adverts, for selling those tickets, because I know some of you, some of you are in Australia, and you're like, I don't even know where culture is, mate, but I listen and I'm not flying all that way to come and watch you. But hey, maybe you want to fly me over to do a show in Australia. I'm up for that. Anyway, thanks so much, everybody. Uh, It was an incredible experience. So, 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 so. I don't know where I was going with that. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. Anyway, on with today's podcast. Uh, today's podcast is with Louise Messia from the Health Kick podcast. I went on to her podcast not long ago. Actually, it wasn't on her podcast. It was on her radio show. Uh, she's a nutritionist, uh, a nutritional therapist, I should say, a podcast host, an early years nutrition consultant, and author of How Food Shapes Your Child. And we're going to get Louise on the podcast later on in the year. But uh, as it's a 
six weeks holiday. And as I thought, uh, this was such a good chat with her. I thought I'd put a little clip of it out uh, from her radio show. I'm not unsure whether you can listen back. I'm sure you can. Go check it out. Uh, but if you uh, can't find uh, any more of it, then I, I will uh, probably be on her podcast again. But she will definitely come on my podcast later on this year when I start doing some more interviews uh, in late September everybody you'll be you'll be happy to hear oh yeah we'll you'll be happy to hear so uh, yeah this is me talking about myself which is my favorite subject um, but we get into some fun uh, little uh, tips and hints that you may take something away from so uh, enjoy this little clip lots of people are quite disassociated with nature and and that kind of hands-on element of, of things like gardening and growing vegetables I think a lot of people would be in the same situation there yeah definitely I've got mates that are like 34 35 that still don't know how to grow stuff and I talk about it down the pub to them pretty much every week so you know <laughs> you know it's uh it's one of those things and I had a really I mean I know we're coming away from food very briefly but I had a really weird conversation at the weekend actually with a landscaper who said that he's asked her to lay more artificial grass than ever at the mm. moment. And because that's where the money is, he's doing it. And I was like, well, you know, it's, it's a hard one, isn't it? Sure, I get it. Like, you've got to go where the cash is. But at the same time, we've got a generation that think that it's easier to put down plastic plants than artificial grass. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, we're ruining our environment and, and, our, and our kids as well. Like, we want to teach our children uh, that that's not the right thing to do. So... Yeah, you don't get that grass between your toes feeling on plastic grass, do you? Well, that exactly. Like, that's the biggest thing for me. Like, mm-hmm. I love going outside barefoot and getting, like, the mud between my toes, the grass between it. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, they say that it's... Uh, they say that it's you don't have to do much to look after it, but you do. I saw a machine the other day that you could run over artificial grass, and guess what it looked like? It looked like a lawnmower. So, <laughs> it's you know, it's not... Um, it's crazy stuff, isn't it? But we've, we've got, we have got a generation um, that didn't have that at school. And I think schools are doing it a lot more now, which is brilliant. But I just think we're at a moment where there's some schools doing amazing stuff with Grow Your Own and gardening. And there's some schools that just need a bit of guidance. And, uh, and we're, we're at that stage at the moment where not everyone's absolutely smashing it. Yeah, and I think there's a big, there's a lot of messages and I think schools obviously have got a lot on their plates and they are kind of been told to, you know, eat healthily and do this for the environment and be climate aware and, you know, there's lots of different things but actually this covers all of them, doesn't it? Because getting back to nature ticks all the boxes really, it's, it's educational, it's environmental, you know, it's raising awareness like you've mentioned with plastic grass but there's lots of other things, environmental benefits you can bring in recycling which I know schools are very good at talking about but there's... There's lots of up sort of cycling that you can do with gardening. There's lots of reusable things. And then, of course, you can bring in, which I always want to bring in, you can bring in the nutrition message. Um, and that message of this is where food comes from, you know, because uh, a lot of times we, we can't make that link with all the processed foods that we have. Um, sometimes it can be quite hard for children to think of the original form of food. So having that 
message is really important. So gardening and what you do kind of ticks quite a lot of boxes, doesn't it? It's not in isolation of just this is gardening in a pigeonhole. Oh, massively. Even as adults, right? Like, How often do we go and buy food and really think deeply about it? We go to a supermarket and go and buy it and don't even really think about where it's come from, where it's been grown. I was talking over over Christmas to my nan. She got, oh, she got some lovely strawberries. I was like, you do realise that these, these are not like just grown down the road from us. Like, there's so much more uh, involved in it. I don't think anyone thinks about that. We don't think about eating seasonally. Um, and that's one of the biggest things that I, for myself, try and teach my own daughter now. She's seven years old and trying to teach her that we can't grow strawberries at Christmas time mm-hmm. and and there's a, a you know a whole travel journey for those strawberries to get onto our plate whereas we think about um, and we teach children where food is grown then that becomes more of a thought process in their mind and when they're older obviously then they'll they'll think more about where they buy their food and and also how they grow it I think children are sort of definitely, the older children are definitely more aware of the environmental impact. So if we consider things like strawberries in December and look at the amount of air miles that they have actually, you know, been through and potentially as well some artificial farming um, methods to, to have strawberries out of season, then actually there's a big environmental, not to mention a health impact as well there. So there's lots of ways we can we can make these links. And I think for schools, they may be thinking, well, we don't have... The, especially urban schools. And this, I know people often say, you can literally grow things anywhere. But could you talk us through an urban school in you know, a built-up environment, thinking, well, we don't have masses of playing fields, we don't have masses of green space. Um, but they want to get the message which is just as important, in fact, more important in urban areas because we don't see as much greenery. So how can, how can we kind of counter that argument that it, it can happen in urban areas? Yeah, it definitely. I'll tell you what, something right, Louise. So in March 2020, I went on this tour and I did like, uh, it was 10,000 children. We got gardening in one week, all like sowing their own seeds. And we visited 20 different schools around the country uh, to make that happen. It was part of our campaign. And one of the things that I realised from that campaign was that one, it did my ego immense good like honestly i was stood on the back of a pickup truck throwing seeds at kids like bono and i was like i felt amazing did you have your gold jacket on i didn't have the gold jacket unfortunately that time no (laughs) should have right missed that opportunity but uh but it was a great campaign but one of the things that i realized was we were going from schools which um were out in the countryside and they had goats and they had like sheep and then they also had an amazing allotment, which mm. was, was brilliant. And then five minutes down the road, we went into like a city and they just had tarmac and that was it. And I come across that so much mm-hmm. throughout that tour and through other schools that I visit throughout the year, which made me realise that like recently we brought something called the School Garden Success Plan out, mm-hmm. which is like a raised bed that we, we teach children to grow within this raised bed. And it's only a metre by a metre big, but we can get a whole class growing within that within mm-hmm. and also the education part two so you don't need like masses amount of space you just need the right equipment to be able to do it uh like i say that's the reason that we we created the school gun success plan within a, a meter by a meter bed because mm-hmm. you you can grow in small spaces do you know what i mean it was the only other day that my daughter's school's got one of these plans and i sat there at the school gates while all the kids were going in and they were all going around this bed the whole class were enjoying it mm-hmm. and just seeing what was growing and that was the start of their day and i think that's an absolutely beautiful thing 
to be able to say that a class can start their day with is seeing how their vegetables are growing. Oh, absolutely. It's very exciting when you see the little shoots come through. I still get, I've got a little window box of herbs and it's a, it's very exciting when you think you've done that. I mean, you haven't done much, but you know, you think I've done that. I've made something. <laughs> I've grown yeah. something. It's quite exciting. Could you um, tell us more about sort of the school's programme and what's involved and how schools can get involved and, and of just talk us through a bit more about that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so it was it was it was born from that tour, which mm-hmm. which halfway around the tour, I realised my head was getting too big. Um, but what was happening was that we would turn up at these schools, and this happens a lot with campaigns that I've been part of. I've been guilty of that. Um, that we rock up at schools and we give the schools all the loads of equipment, loads of free stuff that the brands give us, which is great, mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. And then we just say see you later, and that's it. And that become a bit of an issue for me halfway around this tour I was like I've, I'm part of this problem I'm like I'm the one that's causing teachers to be like oh we don't know what to do Yeah. so we made a plan where we give um, all of the equipment so we give like a raised bed the compost the seeds the tools and then we give free um, lesson plans every single month like really simple easy lesson plans and then on top of that we give free teacher support so it means that teachers can contact my team and we'll get right back to them because we have to remember that there's a lot of teachers out there that know the the importance of gardening and grow mm. your own for kids but don't have the time to learn it themselves like i say we're i'm of a generation where we never did it when we were younger so how do we expect teachers who we know have so much work to do um even not just they don't just clock off at three like, no, of course yeah do you know what i mean so uh so there's so much for them to do and then they've got to sit down and then look through websites to, to check uh gardening facts so we just uh-huh. give everything to to them in that sense so they don't have to worry about that and then we have that support for them for questions and stuff on top of that which i think has been lacking quite a lot in any gardening education f- to help support teachers uh from that yeah, no, definitely. That's that's definitely what's needed because it takes the onus away from. We may have the equipment, but it can. You'd imagine it can sort of be sitting there, and they really want to do it, but nobody's had the time to do it, and that would be quite a sad state for the you know for the equipment to be there, but not the resources to implement it. So I think that's that definitely is the really important bit to take that headache away from teachers and to have the ready-made lesson plans and and to have it all good to go i think is 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 what would be uh certainly music to many teachers ears yeah it just makes it i just want to make it easy do you know what i mean like throughout lockdown and that i was like i've been doing this gardening thing at the time i've been doing it for eight years now i've been doing it for like 10 years and i was like what is going to be my actual legacy from children's gardening it's not going to be like being on blue peter or jumping around on stage in a gold jacket you know i love doing that sort of stuff but it's really making a difference within um, school gardening and we have to remember that there's a lot of children out there we talk about urban environments we have to think that there's a lot of children out there that their only experience of gardening is going to be at school we've got parents that live very busy lives that sometimes can't fit that in into their lives and we can teach that at school get children gardening and also that's like the epicenter of gardening for children do you know what i mean so it means that families will come in on top of that like children will go back with tomato plants pepper plants Mm -hmm. and get their families involved and perhaps do a little bit at the weekend as well so uh so it's so important that we we get that support for teachers to uh, to make that happen 
Yeah, no, definitely. It's, it's so important when we consider the health benefits of any exposure to nature. And if you have um, an urban living environment and then an urban school, your, your exposure to sort of green spaces is, is fairly limited. Um, and we know that obviously there's, there's a mental health crisis, there's lots of children with anxiety, there's a lot of stress placed on children, which I think was is different to my generation where we didn't have as much stress perhaps. Um, but we know that just exposure to green spaces and, and just getting your hands dirty reduces stress, you know, lowers cortisol levels and it just is relaxing and you it's mindful, isn't it? Because you're in the moment, you're you're doing things there and then. Yeah, oh, 100%, definitely. Do you know what I hear quite a bit is that we, we go to, to different schools and they're like, oh, yeah, we have students that are, are not very well behaved, right? And we get them gardening and it, it calms them. They, they're different people when they're in the garden. And I love that so much. But I do sometimes feel that why are we not doing that for the whole class? Like, why can we not just bring everyone together? What an incredible class activity it could be where we could fit that education into primary schools as well as being outside and getting your hands messy. And it brings a class together as well. I've seen it happen. It brings class together where you're all aiming for one uh, one thing, to be able to grow vegetables. And I think that's an amazing thing. We talk about children eating vegetables. If they've grown it, they're more likely to eat it. They've seen where it's come from. They've seen how it's produced. And it's not just sitting uh, covered in plastic on a, a shop front yeah no absolutely we know that children will will be more willing to to eat them if they have had any hand in them whether it's picking them at a farm or growing them themselves or even selecting them themselves in the shop than literally being presented with them at the table to eat but there's that sense of pride i think in in having done something for yourself um There we go. That was just a little clip from the radio show. Uh, I'm not sure if Louise is going to use that on her podcast as well. Probably because it's such great content, everybody. But <laughs> but uh, like I said, we'll have Louise on the podcast very soon. So thank you very much, Louise, for having me on your show. Uh, if you want to find out more about Louise, check out www.thehealthkick.co.uk. Okay. Right, that's it from me, everyone. Some more great audio coming up in the next couple of weeks to get you through the six weeks holiday. I hope you're having a good one. Uh, I certainly am enjoying it. We're week two here in Essex uh, of the six weeks. And uh, yeah, having a lot of fun. So please, hope you are too. Uh, hey, uh, I don't usually push this out, but if you fancy it, the How to Get Kids Garden book is available. It will help you out by the end of the holidays. You know you'll be scraping around looking for something to uh, to do so uh, the how to get kids garden book is available right now everybody okay right thank uh, that's, that's on skinjingard.co.uk shop okay right i'm out of here thanks so much uh like subscribe all those sort of things and uh, and share if you fancy it uh much love thanks for listening